and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Good day to be in church, eh? I get to sit in moments like that forever. I don't even need preaching, honestly. Sometimes it's like, I just want to stay there in a moment, in a time. You've got to seek those moments, right, with God. Um, that's what we need. We need those moments of encounter with Him. It's all good to have the head knowledge and, and the understanding in our mind that God, who God is and what He does and His Scripture and all that kind of stuff, but we should be seeking also those encounter moments, those moments where God tangibly shows up in a space. He's always there, of course He is, we know that. God's everywhere all the time, He's with us all the time, but there are also moments throughout the Scripture where, where God shows up in power. He shows up in tangible experience. You can literally know He's there. And, and they're the moments we need to seek those out. And we need to come against any theology in our heads that would say that that's not true, that that doesn't happen because it does happen and it's biblical and it's through the scriptures. And we've got to, you know, that's what Jacob had. He had a moment with God where God became real to him. Where God wasn't just, not any longer, he wasn't just in my head. He now was, wow, I've just encountered and experienced something I've never experienced before. And we need to look for those moments because we need those moments. Those moments come of assurance that what we're believing, what we're thinking is actually true. And, and sometimes we just need reminding of that. And that's, it's those encounters that remind us. It's recapturing the awe and the wonder of God where we get lost in Him. When we're praying, it's not all about praying words. Sometimes it's about sitting and, and, and in His presence and asking Him to come and, and surround you and let you experience Him in a way that is real. Um, you know, God gave us senses, of course, he's going to work within those parameters of our life and, and give us those moments of encounter. They're so uh, special. They don't happen all the time and that's okay. But we should then not make a theology out of that and go, well, then God doesn't do it. No, no, no. We just push in. I want to talk to you this morning. We'll probably, where are we going? Mm. I want to talk to you this morning about the cost of following Jesus. Last week we talked about, last fortnight, I've got to remember we go fortnightly at the moment, not weekly. Um, we talked about, you know, reconsecrating our life to Christ and his church, his house, and how important it is to live our lives in a place of consecration. And the reality is that the Christian life is really just a continued decision to come back to that place of commitment to him. And salvation, we get born again, but that Salvation experience should be over and over and over and over again. It's like coming back to him again. Lord, I give you my life again. Lord, I give you my life again. Lord, I give you my life again. And, and making a habit of coming back to that place of surrender and commitment to Christ in our world. It's not a one-time event. We don't just do it once then we can check out. We, we, we keep coming back for more, keep coming back for more. The Bible tells us that God has more for us. He has more for us. So don't stop at a little bit. Just keep pushing in, keep going to him. But I want to talk this morning about the cost of following Jesus. Jesus, I feel like God's been talking to me a lot lately about the price tag of my salvation. 
and the price tag of my Christian faith. And of course, we understand that Jesus paid the price for our salvation. This is, he's the one that bought us. He bought us at a price. It was his, his sacrifice that gave us access to heaven. I'm not talking about salvation here. What God's been talking to me about is the price of being a disciple, to being a disciple of Christ. And so there is a price tag attached to following Christ. And it will cost us dearly in areas sometimes to remain committed to him and follow him in our life. So um, in Matthew 16, 24, you won't have this verse, seek, but um, it says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. So we see in this passage that Jesus makes it very clear that there's a price tag attached to following him. It's not that the price tag attached to our salvation has been paid for in full by Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, but to follow Christ, to make that, once we make that decision, that, that decision actually has a price, an ongoing price tag that's attached, which what do I mean by that? I mean, when I came to Christ, when I became a Christian, it cost me. When I decided I wanted to follow Jesus for the rest of my days, it has continually cost me ever since to do that and to, to follow that journey that he's given me. And what I mean by that is it's cost me in relationships. It's cost me financially. It's cost me in time. It's cost me in career. It's cost me in so many different areas that I've had to be willing to give up things to, say yeah, to continue to say yes to Jesus along the journey. And you'll find as you, as you journey along with Christ, He'll continually ask us of things. He'll continually ask us to give things up to follow Him. And we will always be put in a position where we have to make a choice to say, yes, I'll follow you or no, I'm going to go this way. And we'll constantly come to forks in the road where we have to make a choice. Will we go this way or that way in life? And, and so we're put in a position with God that, that, that consecration actually means to continually choose God over everything else, to continually choose His direction and what He wants over everything that we want and how we want it to happen. And so it's a price tag that comes with following Christ, to be a disciple of Christ is going to cost us. We, we just have to accept the fact that, that it's going to cost us in our life. For some of us, it's going to cost us every Sunday morning, for all of us mainly, mostly. Everyone that ever makes a commitment to come to church is making a commitment to sacrifice whatever else they could put on at that, that time to come and worship God. It's, it's a price tag. And, 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 you know, for every one of us, the price tag looks different, but yet it's there. And we understand that. We know that that's, the, that's what God is asking of us. Um, it's a little bit like when you buy, you know, when you get an app on your phone and they give you like the half version and it's like you look at it and it's half functional. And so this works, but that doesn't work. I just got an app on my phone called My Fitness Mate. And uh, what it does is you can track all your, all your eating and all the food and calories and kilojoules and stuff that you have, right? So, so it's a great app and I can track everything I eat in a day and I can keep my intake under a certain amount of calories and, and, and you know, the idea is to lose weight. Doctor told me, you need to lose 10 kilos, Dave. You're overweight by 10 kilos. I said, no, I'm not. She goes, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm overweight by eight kilos. I don't need to lose 10. But she reckons I need to lose 10 kilos. I think I need to lose eight kilos. Maybe she's right. It's a little bit like having a discussion with Jesus. You're normally wrong when you want to argue. But... Uh, 
But anyway, she put me onto this app and it's a great app, but it's only got part function. And because I'm a scab, I don't want to pay for the extra. (laughs) My boys have hated it all their life because they come to me and say, Dad, can we buy a game? I go, is it free? You can have the free game some, but you're not having the one we're going to pay money for because it's a ripoff. Like, but, um, but it's like having an app that's got part, part function. But then if you get the premium version, you get everything. You get everything. And it's kind of like to get everything, you have to pay a price. To get the full functioning of that app, you have to pay the cost it is together and and this Christian life's a little bit the same it's like we can get saved and we'll go to heaven but if we want more we've got to be willing to lay something down we've got to be willing to sacrifice something for God to give us more and if we don't then we will just mosey on along and it's not about salvation you'll go to heaven it's not it's not the issue I'm not talking about salvation here what I'm talking about is that God's got more for you but to get that more We've got to shift into a mindset of what is it you want me to give up, Lord? What is it you want me to lay down? What is it you want me to do to keep following you? And it's not about, it's not about somehow, oh, well, it's not about works. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about following Christ. I'm talking about the decisions we'll have to make daily to be his disciple, to follow him. We'll constantly be faced with things that we have to give over to him. Come with me to Luke 9, 57. says this, as they were walking along, I might actually read it out of my Bible. So the title of this little passage is The Cost of Following Jesus. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. (laughs) That's pretty blunt. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Following Jesus is a continued decision to follow him over other things. We have to be willing to give up our desires to pay a price of following. So the first thing I want, yeah, I've got three points here this morning. Sacrifice, servanthood, and surrender. Three S's to keep it easy. Sacrifice, servanthood, and surrender. If we want to know what the Christian life looks like, it looks like those three things. Sacrifice, servanthood, and surrender. Now, they will manifest in many different places in our life and different areas of our life, but the reality is, as a Christian, we'll constantly be called into those three places, sacrifice, servanthood, and surrender. Those three areas are so important in the Christian life and experience of a Christian that uh, we are willing to make the sacrifices that God's asking us to make. So in Mark 10, 46 It says, uh, where are we? Let's go, verse 50. So this is the story. Let me, where are we up on the screen? We are. Let's just go back, what did I say? 46, was it? Yeah. 
So go to 46. It says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, uh, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call, call him so that, so they called him, called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. So here we have this story of, of Bartimaeus. Sorry, I just thought where I was going with that. We have this story of Bartimaeus and he's, he's there begging and you know, Jesus happens to be coming by. And what I found amazing about this story with Bartimaeus was the fact that he um, was so willing to throw off his problems to Christ, to sacrifice the things that, that were holding him back. You know, when he, when in verse 50, it says that he threw off his cloak. And now we could bypass that and think that's not important. It's just a cloak to keep him warm or whatever. But actually the cloak defined who Bartimaeus was. The cloak defined the type of person he was, the type of thing he would be doing. And uh, some even say, because the Bible says that it was Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, that, um, that actually this was a generational thing, that his father was a beggar and he had the cloak of his father. And, uh, and, and so beggars wore cloaks, right? They identified who they were. And so here we, we see this blind man throw off his cloak. He was willing to throw off all that defined him to come to Christ, to sacrifice the problems he had. And often what we find is in life, we're willing to sacrifice our problems. We want to bring them to God and put our burdens on him. We're super quick to want to do that. Lord, oh, take this situation, take my marriage, take my problem with my children, take this, do that, take my sickness, everything. We're super willing to go and drop that on Christ. And so we should be. We should be taking our issues. We should be throwing off the cloak and coming to Christ and telling, you know, giving things over to Him. And, and of course we should be, but that, you know, we find it easy to do that. We find it easy to come to Him and give Him those sacrifices. But what about the things that we consider God's blessings? What about the things that God's asking of us that He gave us in the first place? You know, like, like Abraham with Isaac. So Isaac was God's blessing to Abraham's life, right? He was the promise. But yet God still asked him to take him up on a mountaintop and sacrifice him. And the reality of that story is, is that God stopped Abraham at the last second from doing it, sent an angel, stop. And he provided a ram. But the reality of the whole situation was, is that Abraham was so close to actually doing it, if God didn't stop him, it would have happened. And often God will ask us to bring sacrifice to him to be willing to sacrifice things to follow him. And sometimes those things will be things he's given us, things that we've been blessed with, things that we see as, as godly things, as things that, that we've prayed and believed for, but all of a sudden God's now saying, no, now that's time to give that up. And it's when we get pushed into those situations and, 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 and we can scratch our head and wonder, you know, like, how can that be? How can God give me something only then to ask it back of me? But yet that's the life of a Christian disciple. We get finances 
right? We, we work and we get our pay and God blesses us financially only to be asked by God to then tithe and give a, a percentage of that back to him. But didn't God bless me in the first place? Yes. But yet he still asks for the sacrifice. And you'll find as a Christian, as you, as you just journey down this journey of discipleship, God will constantly ask us of things, not just things we're willing to give up, things we want to get rid of in our life, but things that we want to hold on to, things that we don't want to let go of. I remember when I was in Bible college, I, I had, um, you know, I'd paid my fees and I remember meeting this, this girl in, in college and she was a dancer and she'd uh, hit, I got chatting to her and she, she'd hit some financial trouble and couldn't afford a college fees. And I said, oh, how much are college fees? She goes, oh, two and a half thousand dollars. I said, oh, interesting. Anyway, I walked away and I had, I walked away knowing for, well, I had two and a half thousand dollars in my bank, extra money that I didn't have for any purpose other than just sitting in the bank account. And I felt like God said to me, you need to give that money to her. But I didn't. I walked away from that conversation with her and, and then I walked away from that conversation with God and I wouldn't release the money. I didn't sacrifice. And to this day, I still regret not sacrificing that money to give to that girl. Now, she continued on college. Somebody else blessed her. Somebody else gave her the money. But for me, it was like I learned a big lesson in that over a bit of time. God taught me a lot about that situation, that if he asks me of some, something of me, I must be willing to give it up, no matter what it is. And uh, I learned a lesson in that. But I remember, I remember the battle on the inside that it took place to be able to get to that place of sacrifice, which I couldn't get to because I would not, I just, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not sacrificing that. And thankfully, as time has gone on in my life, I've learned that, that the, you know, when God asks something of me, give it to him because what he will do with it is amazing, whether it benefits me personally or not. It's not about, you know, when it comes to finances, we can get so lost in the, the teaching that, that, you know, you know, give and you will get. Give financially and you will be blessed. You're already blessed. And of course, there's truth in the story, in the process of, of giving. There's truth in that. If you give and you're generous, God is going to pour back into your world. So blessed, so much blessing. It's not, it's not a lie, but, but it shouldn't be the focus. The focus shouldn't be, I'm going to give to God so I can get rich. And I've met Christians like this. They, 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 their their uh, success in Christ is, is equal to the amount of money they've got in asset. And if they didn't have the asset, then they're not so good a Christian. But because they've got all the asset, look at God's blessing on my life. And I often wonder about some people when I talk to them, um, if God, what would they do if God asked them to give it all up? Right, which he did time and time again in the Scriptures. He said, the rich people, go and sell everything you got. Give it to the poor, come follow me. And there was a man that couldn't do it. And he missed an opportunity. Why? Because he couldn't sacrifice. He couldn't know of what God was asking him. And this sacrifice thing goes way beyond money. But for this man, money was the issue. For other people, it might be something else. It might be a relationship. I've seen young adult Christians get themselves involved with non-Christian guys or non-Christian girls and that has drawn them away from the kingdom of God. And I can guarantee you that God has probably had the conversation with them. This is not good for you. You need to let this person go. 
And just like me with the $2,500 and that girl, they've said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not willing to pay that price. And they've wandered away from the house of God. Their relationship with God has become weak and they've been lost in the world. Even though people are saying to them, you should, you can't come back to church, get back connected. Don't, don't wander away. I'm worried about you. I'm concerned about you. All that stuff has gone out the door because we can't sacrifice. The thing we don't realise is that we pay a price not to follow Jesus as well. And it's a higher price than we could ever pay to follow him because it doesn't come with his blessing. So sacrifice, renewal starts at a choice with a choice of sacrifice. I believe without doubt that God wants to send a new move of God. I believe we're in the middle of this time where the previous move of God is finished, the new move of God is yet to start. And we're in this moment in time where God has wanted to call his people into deeper connection, deeper relationship. He's looking for people who will stand in the gap on behalf of the land people that will get down on their knees and pray. I believe the greatest thing we could do right now is not look to, to do more church activity, but look to do more prayer together. They have more groups of people coming together, praying together, seeking God together for the future of what He wants to do in the church, for the future of what He wants to do in His kingdom. I believe God wants to send revival and I don't believe it's that far away. I think it's, it's just there but it's going to take us to get to a point where we, we will make, we'll come to that fork in the road and say, will we seek this move of God or will we keep longing after what was? And there are a lot of people that I'm meeting that are going, I wish church could just go back to the way it was. I don't wish that. Why? Because that is old now. To me, the way church was would be going back to Egypt. I'm heading back in a place where God's not there anymore. He's moved on and God is calling us into a place of, of consecration and devotion to Him. To come to that place of gathering together and praying together. Praying together to seek this new move of God. To seek out, you know, the, we, we have, the only way this will ever work is, is, is if we get dissatisfied with the way things are, with the way the church is, with the way the world is, and we get so dissatisfied that it will drive us to a place to seek God's transformation for the world and for the church. So we have this opportunity where we're in between the moves of God of what He wants to do. And I believe without doubt that if we will seek Him and, and sacrifice what He's asking, and most of the sacrifice is probably going to be time. Time to come together and pray. Time to form small groups of people and hey, let's pray together. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for this kingdom of God to move. Let's pray for this fresh move of God because I believe when it comes, we need to be ready. And the only way we're going to be ready is if we come together and, and sacrifice and, and pray together and seek God's face for this move of God. The second thing is servanthood. Serving is a natural progression of the heart of a disciple. Serving in every way, shape or form. Whether it be on a team in church, whether it be by helping a neighbour next door, servanthood is the natural progression of the heart 
of a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you read through the scriptures, they get saved, they come into, they, bec- they become disciples and they serve God. They find things to do for him because serving brings meaning, it brings belonging, it brings a whole lot of things together to make us feel like we're accomplishing something for Jesus, that we've got a purpose and destiny in, his, in him. So we were all called to be servants of Jesus Christ to be servants of Jesus Christ. But what does this look like? In John 13, verse 1. No, let's not go from 1. Where are we? So this is the story where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He says, when we, uh, verse, I think I'm in verse 12, Zeke. When, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the place, to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 16 verse verse 16, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I love this passage because what Jesus effectively does here is he, he ties service to blessing. He ties service to blessing. Now, I'm not just talking about serving in church. And of course, we want people to serve here. But what we're talking about is the service of a Christian life. The life of a, Christian, of a disciple is to serve one another, is to serve people, is to have a servant heart, is to, is to sacrifice and serve other people in their world. And we see here that Jesus says, if you do these things, which implies that there is a choice, you can choose not to do these things. But if you do these things... There, there is a blessing that comes with them. So Jesus was teaching his disciples a principle of the Christian faith, that service is important, that serving God brings something that, does, that, that brings meaning and fulfilment. I remember when I started in church, um, when I first got born again, I came to church. I remember the first thing I did to serve in church was to put a roller door up and down. That was my job. I got, I, I got asked to go along to the youth ministry. I didn't like youth whatsoever. I hated them. I didn't understand them. They confused me. They were way too emotional. Annoying was another word I would use. I remember I hated youth. I hated youth. I ended up becoming a youth pastor for like, over like five years or something. But when I first got involved in youth, I didn't want to be there. I, I, did, I just couldn't stand it. But I remember the youth pastor saying to me, can you just do this one thing for me? And I said, what's that? He goes, can you go down? And what we used to do is we'd put the roller door up. Kids would come in. We'd put the roller door down for, just for safety reasons. There was, we had a back alley. You get the drunks coming from one pub to the next pub. <laughs> and, uh, and so we would, um, we would put the roller door down so they wouldn't come up the arcade where the church was because it wasn't safe. So my job was like to put this roller. I mean, I had a pretty good relationship with this roller door. The roller door and I, we were becoming friends. I was like, I know all your problems. I know all the things that are wrong with you. I would talk to the roller door, just like some people talk to plants. Do you know Sarah Mills has 70 plants in her house? 72 plants. <laughs> so my husband knows more than I do. 72 plants. It's got nothing to do with a roller door, but I bet you she even speaks to those plants, doesn't she? More than you. 
<laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> but I, I remember that's where it started. I remember um, Christine Kane talking once. We know who Christine Kane is. Most of us probably do. She's a, she runs um, the A21 campaign, releasing people, uh, women and people from slavery or whatever, or sexual slavery and all that kind of stuff. But I remember hearing her preach once, and she started out at Hillsong Church, right? And uh, she preached, she, I remember hearing her preach once, and she talked about how she started in ministry. She, she actually started in ministry with a broom and with chairs. She goes, I started sweeping floors, putting chairs out, packing chairs away, and sweeping floors again. So they would come into a hall like this. We're blessed in this hall because we're in a Christian school. So you don't get, I don't know of any sort of weird stuff that happens in this building at all, other than Christian stuff, right? But there are some community buildings you go to and there's a whole lot of weird stuff that happens in those buildings, a whole lot of little friends that meet in that building and, you know, demonics and ungodly stuff that go on. And so you come into a building and she would, uh, they'd have to clear the place out. They would have had a, 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 you know, a 21st birthday party and someone's vomited and alcohol and bottles and all this stuff going they go in and so she'd have to go in and clean up, set up, make it all happen. And, and that's where it started for her. Long before she ever became what she is today, she started just by serving and meeting a need on in a church building just to put out some chairs and, and, and do this and that and whatever she was asked to do. And, and, and you know, that, that was the key that unlocked her future. But, you know, it may not even be for us. It may not even just be church. Maybe we are serving in church, but God is asking us to serve somewhere else. Maybe there's somebody you know that needs something. And God's saying, would you be willing to help that person and serve that person? Would you be willing to turn up and, 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 and deliver a meal? Would you be willing to, uh, you know, go and see how that person was? I know when, when COVID started, I went and knocked with this older, older elderly couple across the road, They're probably in their late 70s, maybe early 80s. You know, and I remember just going and knocking on the door at the beginning of COVID and said, look, if you need anything, they were blown away just by the fact that I asked. And they've actually never asked for anything. But, but just the fact that I asked, why? And the reason I did is because I felt God prompt my heart, you need to serve this couple if they need it. They're elderly. They're being told not to leave their home. They might need help. And so, you know, and, and he goes, oh, I haven't had any, any neighbours ever come to my door. And I'm like, wow, isn't that sad? Servanthood is a part of the Christian experience. It's who we are. And for me, I serve because I have a heart to do it. I don't serve because I'm obliged to serve. And you're probably never going to get a guilt trip for me for not serving as the pastor. You're probably not going to get to me, oh, you should be serving, you know. I might say you should probably think about it or whatever, but you're not going to get a guilt trip from me about not doing it. Because I understand that with, like with everything with God, it's a matter of the heart. And we have to have an, an experience with God where we feel like this is what we need to do. Because this is what he's calling us to do. I can tell you that if you do serve, you'll feel a lot more connected. You'll feel like more belonging in your life in the church. Because for some reason, when you serve on team, well, it's pretty obvious, you get to know people better. You get to build those connections that I was talking about last fortnight better. They become stronger. Why? But mainly because when you serve, you're coming closer to people. And when you become closer to people, 
connections are formed. It's the same if you serve your neighbour. You, the guy across the street, we talk all the time now. Sometimes I wish he wouldn't talk to me because he's interrupting when I'm working. But I, I, I go, that's okay. Why? Because there was a time when we didn't talk and there wasn't a connection. And when I don't have a connection, I have no avenue to help him find Christ. But, but serving makes life connect. There's a connection that comes out of it, an entwinement of relationship. And the last thing is surrender. I'm really going to need to wrap this up. Surrender. Sacrifice, servanthood, and surrender. The three S's of the, of the, of the disciple's life, of a life of the disciple. Surrender. In Joshua 24, 23, it says, Yield your hearts to the Lord. Yield your hearts to the Lord. I remember when I was in America. You drive around America, it's same but different. Kind of. So you're driving, but you're driving on the other side of the road, which is weird. I didn't drive, Emma drove, because I didn't have a licence to drive over there. But also when you come to an intersection, in Australia have a stop sign. Yeah, we're pretty, we're, Aussies, we need to just be told, stop. We can't be given the option, right? Because we get the option, we might, we might go. Because we're Australian, we don't like to be told what to do, even by a sign. So there's got to be a big red sign that says stop like in Australia. So I remember I was in, in uh, Barrow one time and we parked the car and there was this stop, this stop sign. I looked up, stop, hammer time. I was like, awesome. Some of us don't know what I'm talking about. Others, just Google Hammer Time, you'll find MC Hammer. He sang a song and it was, but anyway, whatever. I thought it was cool. I've got a photo of it in my phone. I could show you later if you want. Very much my generation probably. But um, where the heck was I going? A stop sign. So in America, they don't have stop signs. They have yield signs. Now to me, <laughs> yield implies options. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't have a license to drive in America, right? I'm like, yield? Well, the yield. Stop's pretty obvious, right? Stop. Stop. You have to stop. But yield? Hmm. I have options. It's the same with God. It's one of those forks in the road, right? God says, yield your heart to me. Yield your life to me. What's it say? He says, well, you've got options, but will you choose to yield your life to me? Will you choose to surrender your life to me? Like I said at the beginning, this is a daily decision to wake up and say, Lord, I choose to yield my life to you. I choose to surrender it. I choose to give myself over to your ways, your will, your desires for my life. To yield to God is surrendering him. It's giving God control. It's that song, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. Was it Amy Grant that sang that? I don't know if it was Amy Grant. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. Jesus, take the wheel. Don't even know why I said that. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Once again, it's the decision to give 
ourselves to him. To say, Lord, here is my life. Have your way with it. What is it you want for me? What is it you want me to do? Where is it you want me to go? And when he tells you to go somewhere, go there and let your roots down by serving. I had this conversation with someone lately, recently, and I said to them, I said, if God is calling you to that place, first, make sure that it's God calling you to that place. If he's not, don't move. But if it is, go with everything that you have. But when you get there, when you get to the place that God's called you to, let yourself belong in that place. Let your roots down. Why? Because until the roots go down, you won't, you won't touch the source of nutrition that God has for you in the place He's called you to. It takes commitment. It takes surrender to say, this is it. God called me here. Now I'm here. Now it's time to let my roots down deep because I know that just under the surface is where God has all the river of God is flowing. But I've just got to get under the surface and it's under the surface, like I told you, like we are speaking about last fortnight, it's under the surface where the church becomes strong and it's interrelated connections between in relationships, right? We're talking about the redwood trees in, in America and how the scientists found that those trees became strong, not because they stood alone, but because they were entwined to the tree next to them under the surface in their root system. It's those entwined relationships. It's those connections. You can't get those connections by, if you don't let your roots down. And this is what I said to this person. If, you, if God's calling you somewhere, you have to let your roots in. You have to get connected to the people that God's calling you to. Because it's those connections. And this is so important because I believe where God is taking the church is it, we need to be strong as Christians. And we don't be strong with just us and God. God gave Adam Eve. Why? Because God was enough for Adam, but God had more for Adam. And God, Adam needed a, a, a physical relationship to become, to become fulfilled and not lonely. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. Why? Because men on their own are lonely. Men on their own are lonely. People on their own get lonely and loneliness kills people. You die a slow spiritual death on your own. But when you've got someone next to you, encouraging you, praying, doing this life with you, all of a sudden you feel confident and you feel like you belong. So sacrifice, servanthood and surrender. Can I do music? We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.